0: I'm going to invite people to sit at tables just as a slightly more interactive way of being together at church. So um, just rather than facing the front, let's face one another. I realize some of you may have your backs to me, but like uh, we, we do the faith not alone in a chair facing one direction. So let's do the Faith Together at Church in that way as well. So get yourself settled. Feel free to grab extra chairs. Great. Thank you. There are tables recruiting people. Well, I'm I'm going to play... Are, you, are we going to do what? Bingo. People bingo. No. But I am going to play a series of videos, now that I've had you all sit at round tables and told you church is more than just about facing up front. Would you all face up front, please? <laughs> Tricked you? No. Um, So I've got a series of just short video clips. I've been traveling around and asking people in a whole variety of different professions why God cares about their work and why God's mission is important to their work. And I thought it'd just be interesting to catch a smattering of these. So I'm going to play as soon as it's up uh, just to five short clips from people who believe their work is part of God's mission. This is Amy. She is a pediatric nurse.
1: If the work of a pediatric nurse really is being the hands and feet of Jesus to the patients we interact with, how is it that I, as a Christian, as someone who follows Jesus, how is it that I do it differently? what does it mean for me to bring my faith into work when clearly this is a work that is the kind of work that Jesus would do?
0: Yeah. I love that answer. Now, now I'm going to be hard hitting reporter (laughs) here. So, okay. You don't get to hear my hard hitting question after that. It's just a teaser. Rachel is an assistant director in Hollywood.
1: i I feel like god cares about this industry because there are people in it and i feel like it can be easy because of um our culture to not view those people as people and to kind of put them as this sort of distant thing that we can pick at or comment on or these sorts of things and take away their humanity um and i do feel like god just views them as people and um in kind of all their faults as people as well as their good things as people but they're people um and cares about them in that way. Um, I think in terms of what we're actually.
0: Again, just a teaser. These are just short. Andrew McDowell, he started a, a market and cafe in uh, the um, South Central LA.
1: Matters to God because people matter to God. And food, said food matters impacts to God. people. It impacts our bodies, our minds. It impacts our emotional status, our relationships. Culture is built around food. Bodies are built up or deteriorated because of food. God gave us food and the need for it on a regular basis, and didn't expect us to ignore it. And when people's needs around food or other physical things are ignored, um, that's a problem. God didn't create us to forget who we are and what we are created to be and how we are created to function. So some of us are empowered or implored by God to meet those needs to serve those who have been forgotten um, in a unique way that maybe churches or other facilities or groups are not currently meeting those needs.
0: This is Janet and she's a pastor in a Latino neighborhood in uh, San Jose. My calling particularly in this neighborhood, what I feel drawn to um, is not the church building or institutions around the church, so not giving up on it I think for me is not giving up on people and the fact that lots of I people ask, are why still not searching give up for on the church? meaning and for belonging and particularly folks in this neighborhood. Um, it in the past has been probably over 90% immigrant um, families and Finding a place to belong in the United States of America is difficult. Um, and so particularly people coming from yeah, other countries, other places, um, wanting Oops, sorry. to redo. So that, that red one was just purchased. Sorry. This is such a tease. And this is Malaysia, and she is a assistant principal.
1: You know, and he wants you to be safe insecure in him of course but I can't say that directly to the kids but that's what I give off and the kids they see it they see you know something's different about you you know Miss Onyoche. and I'm like yeah something is different they're like what do you think it is do you go to church I do they're like oh it shows a little bit I said yeah can I tell you a secret it should show a little bit it should show a lot of bit I was like so what shows that's different and they're just like I don't know it's just I feel that I could tell you anything and you won't use it against me I was like do you know what that's called he said no I said that means I have pure intentions like I care nothing no harm towards you I want nothing but to see kids prosper educationally and their safety and to make sure that when they leave this school that they're prepared educationally for whatever it is that they're going to encounter on the outside
0: so um, hey, these are people who are really serious about uh, the fact that their faith matters in these contexts. Super intentional about why they feel like they are part of God's mission. And that's how they approach their work. Incredibly focused. I would love just around your table, very briefly, the first thing I do uh, when I'm... I've, I've got 17 of these um, and actually, Jeff Bohorski and I are going out to New York City to catch a few more. It's a guy in New York City who, in college, had a powerful conversion experience and decided I want to be a, um, a community organizer in a poor community because I really feel God's heart for income disparity. He ended up feeling called to Goldman Sachs to work with billions of dollars to try to address that. like. I want his testimony. (laughs) uh, So Jeff and I are going out to New York City. I'll probably go out uh, to Manila to catch a few other folk. But I'll probably have 25 different walks of life, auto mechanic, psychiatrist, all of them. My job matters to God and to God's kingdom. And I am in this job in order to see uh, the, the kingdom of God come more fully within my field. And so around your tables, first thing I ask, uh, what's your name and what do you do? You get this you know, at dinner parties or whatever, you're meeting strangers, what do you do? I know that can be an awkward question. Uh, Like if you're retired, you can say, I'm retired, but I used to. Or if you're a student, say, I'm a student, but I hope to. How do you answer that question? So my name is, and I, and you can be, uh, you know, I'm an artist. artist, even if you don't get paid full time for you know, so round your table, hi my name is and I and just share. Really briefly, like one one sentence each. There is a story uh, some of you may have heard or read called uh, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And Prince Caspian is out to find the seven lost lords of Narnia who were exiled by the wicked Miraz, his uncle. And so they have this ship called the Dawn Treader. Their, their quest is to find these seven lords, and if possible, to find Aslan's country. It was said that it was better to be a cabin boy on the Dawn Treader than to wear a knight's belt. Like, it's got this really exciting, like, oh man, only the best get selected for the Dawn Treader. They head out east, you know, toward the edge of the earth. The Rising Sun, and over the course of a year, very, very perilous journey. Um, uh, uh, This is a partial spoiler. They find the Seven Lords. I mean, you kind of know that going in. We only found four. You know, that's not going to be the story. I won't tell the whole story, but by the time they find the seventh Lord, they are a long way from Narnia. It's been a year, and they are haggard. Like, they are just beat down. And they're on an enchanted island. And, you know, winter is setting in. And this island, um, a a king's feast is set at a table every night, mysteriously. It's just such a restful, peaceful place. And so... um, the, the suggestion goes out there like, hey, look, we've recovered seven lords. Let's winter here and get back to Narnia. Uh, Reepicheep is a mouse. <laughs> yes. And Reepacheep is very committed to the full mission, which includes finding Aslan's country. Here's what Reepicheep says. You all may stay and refresh yourselves. As for me, I will take the Don treader east by myself. When the dawn-treader fails me, I shall take my little dinghy and sail east as far as I can. When my dinghy fails me, I shall swim with my four paws. And when I go under, my nose will be pointed to the sunrise." <laughs> <laughs> Just this kind of incredible picture of like, I'm not going to rest until I find Aslan's country. like. You guys, relax. Like, I will do this by myself if I have to. (laughs) What happens? Well, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. It's part of the Chronicles of Narnia series. Um, We're on a quest to seek Aslan's country. On earth as it is in heaven. Like, we are part of this incredible, dangerous quest of... The kingdom of uh, our Lord and of his Christ has become the the kingdom here on earth. And the determination it will take in order for this to happen is incredible. Um, I mean, some of us barely know how to seek the fullness of the kingdom in our own lives, let alone, oh my gosh, really? On earth as in heaven... Like, I'm just trying to keep my nose above water just to see myself live out. But, like, it's part of what we're called to. Not just to be a good Christian, but to see the kingdom of God on heaven as on earth. It's a dangerous, exciting, glorious, sad, tragic, beautiful, challenge and quest. Um, here's Jesus' inaugural address. This is, you know, after he is named president of the world. He stands up in Nazareth and, and reads this scripture. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he says, and now it has begun. And from that moment, the increase of Christ's government and shalom had begun. And and we are called into it. It's, It's easy to keep our eyes on this enchanted land where, you know, Lots of a pleasant meal is set before us. It's just easy. Let's just stay here. Let's just winter here. You know, and enough of this quest to find Aslan's country or to seek Aslan's country on earth as it is in heaven. But the call is to see whole systems change, right? Shalom. Ends of the earth. That's what Jesus said. Ends of the earth. He said we ought to go to the ends of the earth. And I, I think of the big fields of um, ministry in this world, education. I mean, do we have any educators in the room? Yes, we have educators in the room. Like, there's a lot of aspects to education, not just in this country, but globally, that are broken, that are not part of Aslan's country, that are not on earth as it is in heaven. Um, certainly in the realm of politics and business and arts and the trades like those are the things we're hungry to see the completeness of Christ and Christ's vision come about in those systems Um, we want micro and macro change we want people changed and transformed and systems it's all We want all of it, and we're called to all of it. And some will need to relocate. Move away from the place that you were born. Some of you know what that's like. It's often not easy. You have to leave the Shire. Um, There's another great story called The Lord of the Rings. Who's heard of The Lord of the Rings? (laughs) Okay. So this really, really perilous quest of destroying a ring. So this is a ring. uh, Upon the wearer will bring about the rule of Sauron, the, the enemy. And Sauron's shadow is growing. And so you think about the, the quest of the destruction of this ring, which just can't be destroyed with uh, a battle axe. Like it, it requires a really, really perilous journey to destroy this ring. So in, the, in Middle-earth, there are all these different uh, nations, people types. So you've got the wizards, of course. The ring was not entrusted to the wizards to destroy. like They're too powerful already. It wasn't entrusted to the elves. They have kind of this angelic parallel, but certainly not to the race of men. Too corruptible. It's entrusted to hobbits. Oh, how uh, unintuitive. Trusted to hobbits. These are the comfort-seeking risk-averse little people who have virtually no influence in Middle Earth and are just happy to stay in the Shire. These are the people that the fates are divine. I don't know how you read uh, Lord of the Rings. Certainly Tolkien had a deep faith. These are the ones chosen to hold back the the hand of the evil one. Why these people? I feel that way about our charge to bring about uh, the kingdom of heaven on earth. I mean, nobody knows how much of God's rule and reign can happen on this side of eternity, but like, still we try. We're on this quest. Oh, let's just wait. Let's just figure that, you know, people will find their own. No want you. I'm sending you to the ends of the earth. Why why did Jesus choose the people he did? I mean, these were were fishermen. Tax collector. Likely in the larger community, they're sex workers. Uh, You guys, I want you to do this. I want you to take the news of This coming kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom, that is the the whole ball of wax, not just the gospel of salvation, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached to all creation. Then the end will come. So like fishermen? I mean, the Pharisees were the missionary travelers, teachers of the law. Surely there are. How about just like the angels? Can the angels take this on? Because they'll have a much easier time of it. No, little Frodo baggins sitting around a table here. It's you. God has entrusted you with this perilous, glorious, tragic, beautiful mission. Gospel of the kingdom. On earth, as it is in heaven, to the ends of the earth. These were super local kids, the original missionaries. Every one of them, uh, except perhaps John, still he was far away in Patmos, have this story of needing to learn another language, and needing to find a way to travel, needing to find a way to make money, perhaps relocating families that's their story and the people that came after them that's why you're here someone relocated at some point in your family story Um, the gospel is best enfleshed you know i do believe in like radio and tv ministry or whatever it's best carried in flesh and blood. You don't feel qualified, I'm sure. If I asked all of you, okay, I want in this next year, us all as a church community, to get our passports and prepare to relocate um, for at least five years. Gonna have probably sell or rent your house, like, uh, and become full-time missionaries. I'm not qualified. I often, I work as a full-time Christian minister. I often feel I'm not qualified. In fact, I'm not. A, A lot of my work is calling young people to consider doing something that I've not done, relocated for a long period of time, and i feel that insecurity every day for 35 years i have felt so insecure but i have not felt released from my invitation from god and so i keep plugging away at this idea of mobilization i'm not qualified to do it really but god doesn't care <laughs> so much like what he's not looking for qualifications he's looking for willingness i'm asking are you willing I'm not asking, are you qualified? Um, I want to look at Hebrews. Uh, Do you want to bring that up, Doug? It's the second, it's actually the second scripture. The first was the passage from Luke I read as Jesus gave his inaugural address. Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when, he, uh, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Scary. I'm sure, really scary. He's in his 70s. I know people in their 70s who have relocated to a scary place. It happens. I'm sure it looked very foolish. You're 72. You know, you're comfortable in the land of Ur. Right? It's, uh, you know, you got your house and your car and all your kids and grandkids are here. Like... Now is the time to relax. And he sets out without fully knowing where he was going. It's because he trusted God, period. (laughs) It's because he trusted God. His trust was without borders, as we sang, as you just sang. Do you trust God? like it's measured by your obedience in a place where it's scary. You're not trusting unless you're scared. Otherwise you're just doing what comes naturally or what feels normal to do. Unless you're scared, it's not really costing you anything. Do you trust God? I don't think it's about Qualifications. I don't even think it's about calling. I know this sermon's titled the "Missionary Calling." I don't think it's about calling. Let me let me relieve you with regard to uh, whether or not you have a missionary calling. You do. <laughs> Go and make disciples. You're called. Okay. Now you can relax. You don't have to wait for the lightning, for the, like, I just want a sense of inner peace about this. No, you're called. Um, Now, how you live that out, of course, there are varying ways with how you live that out, but you are called. You do have a missionary calling, an apostolic calling. I kind of like the apostolic language better. The missionary language was really forged in... um, the Middle Ages by the those who, who came aboard the, you know, British East Indies Company were part of a colonizing. So that word, as we use it, that Latin word, was born in that period. It's an apostolic calling. Like it's this I don't even I guess invitation is a nice way to put it. This command. Go. And make disciples of the nations. I want you to teach everyone in the world the stuff I taught you. So go do it. So you're called, you're not qualified. I get that. Okay. Um, Little Frodo Baggins, let's keep reading from Hebrews. 11 next couple verses by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country like he was called to bring Aslan's country into reality and he lived as a stranger in a foreign country he lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He never saw it. He never saw Aslan's country come. Like reap a sheep, he drowned. But his nose was pointed to the sunrise, like that's what he was heading for. He died Seeking the Promised Land, Abraham was homeless because he believed something better than his house. Um, and the land of Ur was available, it was worth, was worthy of leaving those. You know, Jesus is like, all of you have left houses, moms and dads and siblings are gonna receive more than those things. Like, do you trust me? I know it's hard to leave houses and to leave neighborhoods, but you will be taken care of. Do you trust me? Jesus is asking. I would guess there are a lot of Christians who are willing to do the kinds of work that we all do in America. There are very, very few who are willing to go to places where the shadow of Sauron is deep and dark. And the kingdom, are just threads of the kingdom, very small threads exist. It's not to say that there's places where God isn't already working. The invitation is to join God where God already is, there are lots of people willing to do what you're doing. But very few who are willing to go to the place where Sauron has a hold. You know, slum communities are growing at three times the rate of global population. Some predict that there could be uh, More than a quarter of the world, probably a billion already, people living in these informal settlements where there are no structures, they are breeding grounds for all sorts of discontent. They're very, very economically depressed places. These are corrugated tin sheds over sewage, and more and more people are living in them three, three times faster than global population. There are churches in these areas who will come into the slum community. There are virtually no Christians willing to go live in the slum community as salt and light and leaven. Very few people who will say yes to that missionary calling. There's places where the story about Jesus is either extremely unknown or extremely maligned like there's just no good info about this story about this kingdom the, the stuff that's floating around is partial and often um, tainted oh, who's willing to go to those places learn those languages and bring a true story in the flesh about Jesus. Not a lot. Not a lot. This church has been a little engine for missionary sending. It's weird. You know, small church. I'll bet there are 30 over the years who have gone to relocate uh, permanently as full-time Christian workers in hard places. Nicholson's were a family in this community, and uh, they moved to Indonesia, and they are helping to bring the gospel through Proverbs as they plant um, uh, mango drying businesses in poor areas. Now, mango drying is part of God's kingdom because mangoes are part of God's kingdom. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? Who believes that mangoes are part of the kingdom, will be part of eternity? Uh, but income in poor areas is part of bringing God's kingdom. And, of course, they live the kingdom, and then they teach the kingdom to the employees of these. men. Like, full-on, full-gospel, Harberts, you know, in Kenya, raising up prayer ministry and uh, Copans who went to a a very, very um, oppressed place in East Asia for a good part of their lives. All came from this church. All of them sort of sent by, inspired by this community. Some of you who are older, am I older? Show of hands, no, I <laughs> want my kids. <laughs> like have developed a set of skills and gifts that are very desirable and needed in other places. Like even though you're more rooted here, you're probably more valuable there. But what it mean for you to relocate elsewhere? So, you know, we're going to spend the rest of the series talking about how you bring the kingdom as a, you know, teacher or in the healthcare or whatever. That's good. I really believe that. Like, I'm very committed to the sort of vocational multiplication of being serious about your faith. In but for just one half hour, can I call us to become missionaries? (laughs) Like. Can we just give a second of time to stop and say, is it me? Is is this how I'm to live out my calling next in places that very few are? You're all going to get some great encouragement and challenge in the places you're already at that will still be sacrificial in your various jobs or neighborhoods. But one half hour, this series is going to go through October. Out of the 2,000 hours between now and October, can I just say for a half hour, will you consider becoming a full-time missionary overseas? Taking your skills, bringing it to a place where Sauron has a hold, and seeing a little more of the gospel come in that place, the gospel of the kingdom, the whole kingdom, people being transformed and structures being transformed through you, even though you likely will not see its completion, but will you go down with your nose pointed to the sunrise? Around your tables, I'm going to ask, what might be some very um, logical and um, important reasons you're not called? to. uh, Let's eliminate the calling part. Because you're all called, uh, where it's not a good idea for you to move to a place of Sauron's rule. And what are some bad reasons that hold you back? So, I think there's both. Like in our lives, well, you know, I've got people in my life who are experiencing this that I feel like it's very important for me to be here to do this or careful. But so. what's one good reason and one bad reason that keeps you from becoming a full-time missionary next year? Talk about it at your tables. All right, I'm going to call your attention back to the front. Yeah. If, if some of you felt um, prompted by the spirit that you need to give this serious consideration, um, I'm going to a- invite you to either, after the service, come and talk to me. Or Paula Dody, if I can put you on the spot, <laughs> Paula, uh, with her husband Brian, and their kids spent uh, quite a few years. Maybe grew up on the mission field. I don't remember Paula. Did you grow up as a missionary kid? So, yeah. Some of you know uh, Linda Stolfas. She grew up as a missionary kid. These would be people that you could talk to about. I'm s- I'm not quite sure what to do next, but I feel like I need to take a next step. So, uh, at least to pray with you to say, Lord, would you this week reveal what the next step is? Maybe it's okay, I can tell you three organizations. Based on your skills, I can tell you three organizations that might benefit from your skill set. Now research them. You know, it might be that, might be the next step. But let me encourage you if you feel prompted, you feel like you're bad reasons were really bad and your good reasons were not so good (laughs) think about the call that you bear go and make disciples yes plenty of disciple making left here lots of people willing to do disciple making here not so many in other places Lord we um, you know Betsy chose really great songs. Take my life, let it be consecrated to you. Take me to this place where I don't have boundaries on my trust of you, like where I completely trust you fully. Sometimes the only way that we can find out whether we trust you fully is to take that next step over the boat. Lord, would you call from amongst us two or three of those who are in this room, maybe those who are watching, who will go into the places of least knowledge about Christ and Christ's kingdom as in fleshed letters of love, to those places in Jesus name Amen Go in peace to love and serve the Lord